Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Tigers Talk Rugby. Before we get started, I'd like to thank Tiger Vision for providing us with the facilities and equipment to make this possible. So with that, I'm Ethan Richards. I'm CJ Bakel. And we're your hosts today. We are joined by us again by the wonderful Tom Goodall. And another returner, Tyler Doolittle. So uh, like we said last week, this week is the highly anticipated World Cup group predictions episode. So it's going to be a lot of hot takes. So we got a great one for you guys right now. So we might as well just jump into it. Let's get right into it. Oh, yeah. Group, group A, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> group A. All right. All right, Tom. Okay. Ireland jersey over here. Yes. Now that I am completely unbiased. <laughs> right, let's first say who are, who's in Group A. So Group A, we've got Ireland, Scotland, Japan, Russia, and Samoa. Okay, so Tom, since you are currently wearing the Ireland jersey, you should start off with talking about Ireland. So what, what, what do you got to say? Okay, so Ireland, they, uh, coming into the World Cup, they had a few testy warm-up matches. They, they took a bit of a brutal loss to, against England, uh, but they, I think they redeemed themselves a little bit against Wales. They had uh, two tests back-to-back, -back, one in Cardiff, one in Dublin. And uh, they were able to come out victorious. Um, they were giving guys who don't normally get a chance to play. I know they were, Joe Schmidt was testing out Jack Cardi, who's a replacement 10, because Joey Carberry uh, unfortunately got injured against Italy. And so in that England game, there were a few troubling signs. Um, <laughs> the defense, they were absolutely taken apart by uh, England's new wing. And so uh, Joe Schmidt had a lot of work to do, especially with... Um, Owen Farrell's father, Andy Farrell, being the defensive uh, coach. Um, but I'm, I'm excited for this. I think their group, um, Group A, they've got a, a lot of potential to come out on top, make it out of that group, even with the hosts, uh, Japan being in there, and uh, Scotland, another Six Nations team, being in there. I think uh, with this group, I think we can all agree Ireland is our expected number one seed. Yeah, I mean, group. they're yes. probably, you know, the one team out of, they're the only team out of all of these that are in the top five. And they're, like, and, and they're, right now they're one. Yeah, right? yeah. They're, yeah. They're, currently yeah they're currently ranked top ranked in the world. Top of the world. So even, I mean, even after getting uh, crushed by England. And like, they, <laughs> they, they are very good like, in the attack, especially in like small spaces. I don't know how they do it, but they're really good at like, if it's short field situations and in like small areas, they're able to get good ball and, and, and heavy pressure. And heavy they, pressure, they, yeah. Everybody runs. They drive a very play. strong forward pack attack, and yeah. then right. once that wears down the defense, then they spin it out to the backs, and that's where Sexton and Ring Rose and you know Jacob Stockdale come into their own uh, with those scoring on the outside. I so. also think that their play is very reliant on Connor Murray and Jonathan Sexton, and if both of them are on top of their game, they will do very well. But we have seen in the past where both of them are either injured or they just have like a little brain fart that they don't know what they're doing. So it's, it'll be interesting to see them. So. I'm most excited to see Scotland play against Ireland because obviously these two teams meet up a lot. Yes. And, and so I think Scotland, as a team, know Ireland's play style. They know 
what they're going to be coached to be doing coming into this World Cup. And I think that if, if Ireland's going to drop a game against any of the teams in their pool, I think it'll be to Scotland. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Tyler, what are you um, thinking on that? Scotland, in my opinion, this pool. So I know maybe we're not at this point yet, but I think it's going to be Ireland and Scotland um, hmm. winning hmm. out this pool. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> um, but sure. Scotland, um, for me, it's always been one of the most exciting teams to watch in Europe. I love their play style. Um, one thing that kind of worries me is that they've always been a very competitive team, but they've never really been able to kind of get that last little bit to kind of push them over and win out some of these games. So Their their form is very strange because Scotland just seems to be, they're hot and cold. They're like Katy Perry, you know? Exactly, I mean? exactly, <laughs> yes. So one minute, like one game, they're playing against France. They get demolished, 32-3 to 3 against France, and then... Like, the next week they play France in France and win. It's like you see these, like, these spurts of, like, really good Scotland and really bad Scotland. And then they played two tests against Georgia, and they played fantastic against those guys. So, it, again, Scotland, it's one of those kinds of deals. Like, they could either have a fantastic World Cup or not. Like, they could be out in the group stages. But they have a lot, to, they have a lot of high expectations because of that, of uh, 2015. I think if we, so going back to 2015, obviously they made it to the semifinals and lost to Australia in one of the most questionable decisions of uh, that entire yeah, World Cup. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone that I've talked to will agree that Scotland should have been the one in the finals and not Australia. So the World Cup is definitely, it's a. It brings out the best. It, in the it brings out the best of every team. It's a totally different atmosphere. So I'm excited to watch them. I hope they can recreate what they had in 2015. and. Yeah. Uh, I'll be definitely watching them out of this group. So who do you think their key players would be? Uh, it's definitely going to be Stuart Hogg and Greg yeah. Laidlaw. Stuart Hogg, the pride and joy. Stuart Hogg is, I think everyone can agree that that is their... World-class player. That's their world-class player. He's probably yeah. the best, best 15 in Northern Hemisphere. Um, I could agree And some that. could even argue the world. Um, Ooh, I think a, he, that's yeah. a tough. There's a that's hot, a, it's a bold there's claim. Hot take there's, number there's one of the, day. of the day. I think hot take can, number one. I think there's a solid argument for that. My my interest in watching Scotland comes from how many injuries they have. Uh, obviously, it was a joke on the internet how many injuries they had like in the past year, and so if that con if that trend continues, like you know, I I I would. I yeah. can see them not making it to the top two of their pool, specifically if they get yeah. injured early. Yeah. yeah. That's a problem they had. Was it just this past Six Nations? A lot yeah. of their key players mm. ended up being injured, and you saw a Scotland team that is going to look different than the World Cup because they have those players back now. So it's going to be um, Scotland's one of the teams I'll be following very closely, and <coughs> I hope they do well because I personally enjoy watching them. Now. <laughs> Ireland and Scotland out of the way. These guys have known, or they've been hearing me talk the last you know, few weeks, but ladies and gentlemen, More than. Japan. Japan, the hometown team. <laughs> this, is, this is hot take number two of this episode, and we're not but like six minutes in. Japan is going to the quarterfinal. They're going to go Ooh. over Scotland. Wow. Okay, listen, I, shoot, I even think that they could... They could even go, actually, no, they're not going to go farther than that. But they are, <laughs> they are the team. They're, let's be honest. They're everybody's second favorite team this, <laughs> this year. Let's be totally honest. 
Do you want, they're the team that you're going to watch every single game and you're going to want them to win just because they're the underdogs, because they're the hometown team and everybody loves them. All right. So genuinely, I mean, like, come on, after South Africa, like in 2015, everybody <laughs> loves them. I was about to say, ever since then, it's like they just keep on building and building and building. Genuinely, I don't know anybody that roots against Japan ever. And I think, like, even when, when all of these people are traveling from all around the world to Japan to watch the <laughs> World Cup, like, people are going to just buy tickets to different games whether or not it's their team in that game. So every game that they play, especially against a team like Ireland or Scotland, who have, like, sturdy fan bases and, and heavy rivalries with some of the other fan bases that will be there, like, the England fans will be rooting against Ireland whenever they play Japan. And, and stuff like that that I think will, will bring a lot more hype and morale into the Japanese team as the tournament goes. I don't necessarily that means they're going to win game one or game two, but like for sure it'll, it'll build. Here's a couple. Let me give you a couple uh, things also to back up my, my hot take. All right. All right. Listen to me. So Jamie Joseph has a pretty solid side, you know, it made of only passionate players. So that's one thing he was looking for is passionate players over talent. So everybody he's picked in his 31 are, you know, he claims that are their country. Like they're, they're very patriotic and everything like that. So I think at home, that's a big, big boost. All right, number two, against South Africa in 2015, they were 500 to one odds to win. 500 to one odds. They are currently listed as 501 odds to win the tournament. So I think it's possible <laughs> I think the the odds are in their favor of getting. Oh, oh yikes! I think that they're that out. Is, uh, I think that they could get out of the group stage. So if I hear you, so five hundred one is odds, odds are in their favor. No, to win, but to win, but to get out of the group stages, I think that's fine. But anyway, I absolutely I can agree that I could for sure see Japan beating Russia and Samoa. Well, so I was I was just about to get say that um, Japan. Had uh, warm-up matches. They played in the Pacific Cup of Nations. Yes. And uh, I know they played the United States in the final of that, and they beat them. Yeah. Uh, like easily. Yeah. Easily. It was. It was. I mean, it was close in the first half, but the second half, Japan ran away. Were just pulling away. They were maintained their strength, and so they looked strong. Um, obviously, I haven't seen them play any of the major teams since the last World Cup. I I believe was the Pretty last time much. they played. Any of the top tier teams, but um, yeah, any, I mean, it's the World Cup. Anything could happen. Um, they're not. They're not in my top two teams to come out, but that doesn't mean that but that's I not could, possible. They're they're my third. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, I I genuinely believe that they will beat Russia and they will beat Samoa. Okay. All they need to do is beat Scotland on top of that to become the two, and I think they can beat Scotland. It depends on you. I could I could see your argument because it depends on what Scotland shows up to the game. Right. So they're hot and cold, like we were saying, and Japan is going to have that boost of being at home. So while I don't think Japan will get out of group stage, I think their their must win is definitely going to be hard to get out. It has to be Scotland. I just don't see Ireland dropping a match against. Oh yeah, no, I, I, I didn't say anything about Ireland. I so Scotland. How would they? Scotland. How would they beat? Scotland. How would Japan beat Scotland? So what, what do you think Japan's strengths are that are good against Scotland's weaknesses? 
So Japan, they play a very fast game. That's they're one of the smaller teams that's going to be coming in this World Cup. So that means they have to make up for it in their speed. So you'll see um, they're really good at flooding support. They're gonna they break a hole. All their players are going to be in there. That's just how they play. They like to keep it going. Like to keep it alive because they know that they will get dominated if it comes to really a physical matchup. Um, so, but on, in that, it can get a little bit sloppy, which is some of the errors you'll see when they play against teams like New Zealand. They'll make those errors, and New Zealand can immediately punish them for that. That's right. what they're known for. So, and do, do you believe that Scotland will be able to punish those errors? I don't know if they'll be able to punish them as uh, badly as a team like New Zealand could. Um, it'll be interesting to see if... Uh, the ball somehow ends up in Stuart Hogg's hand on one of those errors. Mm -hmm. I think he can definitely take advantage of that. He's just that type of player to turn any little advantage just into points or into a play. So, yeah. Two players to watch for Japan, I will say, is I'm going to butcher his name, but Kenki Fukoa, Fuka, Fukuka, who has tw 33 caps and he has 21 tries. He's probably one of the more prolific scorers on the team. And then Michael Leach. Michael Leach is their captain. And he's like their, I think he's their world-class player. He's like, you know, high motor player, flies around the field. And not only that, he's a great leader as well as he's the, fa like, he's the face of this World Cup in Japan. Like you, there's, you see pictures uh, in Japan and his face is everywhere. Yeah, I've already, so. uh, I've got a friend who's in Japan studying abroad. I'm real jealous of him. Uh, and I keep telling him I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my way out there for a weekend or something. And I know that's a completely absurd concept, but he's sent me pictures or, or messages about like seeing signs in Tokyo about this World Cup coming up. And, and that's the face that he sees everywhere. Right. So like for sure, I, I know what you mean by like he is their world-class player. He is their face of, mm -hmm. of the rugby program that they have. So to finish out Group A, we have Russia and Samoa. Do you guys have anything? So um, I just watched the Russia played Italy in a warm-up match. Yeah. Um, they have some good ball handling skills uh, on offense. Um, I think it's their fly half, uh, Ramil Gesin, uh, who he was able to get the back line functioning pretty well, but they're highly susceptible to hard lines being run against them. Italy were carving them up in the midfield with just hard lines run off a playmaker. And so I think defensively they're going to struggle against teams who can run those hard lines. Do you think that comes from playing at a level of rugby where the physicality in, in the center of the field is not as intense as in the, in the top 10 teams and the top 15 teams in the world that you, you traditionally would watch on TV? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I think that the Russian, a lot of the Russian players don't play in the, the high-level international match, uh, club teams like France or England or Ireland. And so I think week in, week out, they don't get the same physicality of those guys who are running absolutely blinding lines and just the size of the players. I don't think they see them as much. So, so what about Samoa then? Because I think we all have agreed that neither of these teams, they, they sit at the bottom of the pool for us. So, so which, which do you think is, is better? I'm, I'm very disappointed in Samoa because they have the history and the tradition of a really good rugby team. And like they, they, they have the talent too, or you know, the upbringing. But at the same time, it's disappointing because they have a lot of off-field issues. So I don't know if 
Russia were to play Samoa, I think that's a toss-up game for me. Um, but do you think that toss-up comes specifically because you don't think the 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 Samoa team has the gel that the Russian team would have, but they have the talent that that is stronger than the Russian team? I, I would I would say so. I think the talent and the size of the Samoan players would be an issue for Russia, but I think as a unit, Russia would come out stronger for me. So it, it's going to be close. I would probably take Samoa narrowly, but okay. it could go either way. Not, yeah. not setting anything in stone for that one. All right, so... So that, that I feel like we've covered a lot that of group A, yeah. Okay. Real fast, let's go through. I know I already mentioned who I thought would win out. I think it's going to be uh, Ireland on top, and then Scotland. Mm -hmm. I, I would agree with that. Um, and then probably J Japan for me, <laughs> and then Samoa and Russia False. would be my 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 False. <laughs> Ireland and Japan. Ireland and Japan, Japan is going to be the. Th this is get like you always get the Cinderella team. Japan is it. Okay. They're the hometown team. All right. They're number two. I'm, I'm going to go with Ireland and Scotland as well. Yes. For, for all those listening, uh, we'd love to hear what your uh, favorites are for each pool. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just comment. So, yeah, you know, it's com on Facebook. Comment just below. comment down below, please. Yeah, so let's group move into Group B. Group B. Here we all go. All right. So, Tyler, who's in Group B? All right. So, we have New Zealand, South Africa, Italy, and... Namibia. Namibia. I don't know why I can never <laughs> say that name. It's, and Canada. So Man, so many Namibians that. are going to be watching this. So they're going to be so, like, what the heck, Tyler? Oh, I know. So yeah. I think just starting off, this is kind of like a pool of death for uh, some of these teams. It's like, <laughs> this is you like, have South Africa and New Zealand, and that's just that's a tough, yeah, that's it, tough two teams to have. It's a very top tough people. draw. And one of the Perfect. things I think that the World Cup does that I'm not really a big fan of is they, they do the draw for these World Cups, especially the teams that automatically qualify. They do the draw way in advance. Yeah. And so they did this. They uh, drew Group B at a time when South Africa weren't at their peak, Right. which is how South Africa have ended up in the, with, in, in the same group as New Zealand. But it'll be it's fantastic, exciting rugby straight in group play. So yeah, I I'm I mean not too upset. I don't know where you guys sit with this, but I genuinely believe South Africa is going to be the top of this pool. Ooh, that's Ooh. hot take number three. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's necessarily a hot take. I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's a hot. South Africa After did they, just beat New they, Zealand in yeah. this uh, rugby championship. Well, well, well so well, so they they won sorry, they won the rugby won championship, the championship yeah. but they, they drew they drew with New Zealand. Uh, but I gotta say, I was showing this Instagram to Ethan though, that despite losing the rugby championship, I think the last the last two rugby World Cups. Yeah, we posted about this. Yeah, New, New Zealand, Zealand lose. Yeah, it's it's a different they squad. They lost out the of rugby New championship this year, though. That's it's it's a much different personnel group. So mm -hmm. so I don't I can't say 100% with full confidence that the group that New Zealand is bringing in, they're 31 is as resilient as the group in 2015 or the group in 2011. Mm. I, I don't know if that resilience to be, to like mentally is as in like intensively confident in their own abilities as it was in those last two. Mm. Mm. I think that another thing is like they don't have the same leadership as they did previously. No, they don't. So 
But my my big like query with New Zealand, at least this this with this squad, is their midfield. They ha- so the the four that you know Steve Hansen picked was uh, uh, Sonny Bill, Brian Crotty, Jack Goodhue, and Anton Leonard Brown as their you know as their centers, and they don't put Nani Lamape, the prolific scorer in the Super Rugby. I'm a little mad about that because I'm a big Nani Lamape fan, but I don't, I don't know why they would why he would pass him up. It's- so I, I, I was reading a bit about this because I, I was interested as well. He's, he's been doing lots of scoring in Super Rugby. And uh, basically, Steve Hansen, head coach, said that he felt Antoine Leonard-Brown fit in the squad. It, was, it yeah. wasn't so much against Lamape. He felt that in the midfield with Goodhue or Crotty and Sonny Bill, he felt that Antoine Leonard-Brown was the player for him. So he felt like it was more of an an attitude slash like yeah, it, play style. Feel. It wasn't it wasn't a skills thing. He said Lomape obviously is a prolific scorer, but he felt that Antoine Leonard Brown would get the job done for his yeah. side. But I could I can understand that reasoning. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for a fact in in Clemson rugby history that there has been selections where a player has been dropped from the starting roster or even the subs roster because. Um, the captains and the coach believed that another player had a better attitude and a better ability to yeah. to work with the people around him on the field. So I, that that does not surprise me that, that that really stands out as a primary reasoning. My uh, another thing is we need to see if Brian Crotty stays healthy. Yes, that's all I got. It's like if he stays healthy, then fantastic. But. Mm-hmm. I think if he gets hurt or something like that, that might have been a poor decision. But we should move on to South Africa. We, oh, yes. Again, everybody talks about New Zealand when it comes to World Cup time. Yeah. But now with South Africa yeah. being set, like well, the other group. or Before, before we like, specifically talk about South Africa, I want to know who each of you out of those two teams would expect to be on top. Because personally, I, I think South Africa takes it. I think, I think South Africa, not much has changed from their, from their test group. Uh, to their World Cup group, and and they looked great during the warm-up test matches, and they looked great in the World uh, or the Championship. Like I, I think they're coming into this World Cup, like, at a peak, at a good good progression. Yeah. See, this is tough for me because if this is probably the group that I'm having the toughest time with trying to figure out who's going to come in on top. Um, obviously, South Africa. Just had a very solid warm-up um, compared to New Zealand. But again, historically, New Zealand always slumps before the World Cup. They slumped before the 2015. Australia beat them. Um, Cameron South Africa did then those. I think it was, yeah, year. Australia beat them. But And then they came out and same, won Same it thing all. happened in 2011, too. Same thing happened in 2011. It's, um, so that's why... It, you yeah, think they come out with the they're, fire? They're three-time three winners... It's hard to deny them, yeah. I, I think I'm going to stick with Tyler. I think New Zealand edge them in this group. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join you guys, too. Ooh. Just because I think New Zealand is, those, is that kind of team who's able to make up some, some kind of master plan. So I think that they'll be able to think of a, some kind of game plan before the game. And also, they're very dynamic, so they can change one up depending on South Africa. So I think it's possible. Okay. I will say... 
if South Africa ends up being New Zealand in group play, it really isn't going to come to me as a shocker. I think it's yeah. going to be an incredibly close game, and I really hope I it agree. is. That's, um, yeah. because I, I want that game to end in like a two-point difference yeah. or a three-point difference. Well, Just yeah. really like good rugby, 80 minutes of hard competition, and it comes down to the last few moments of just who's willing to work harder. Exactly. Well, like the last, like what, three like matches between those guys have been within three points. So yeah, I think yeah. I think the fourth one will, will be the same. So. So so all of y'all believe that New Zealand will be one in this pool. Yes. And and I'm assuming that that means South Africa will be two. Yes. Okay. So do we have anything to say for the last three between Italy, Namibia? In Canada? Uh, I would be, so because of the development with the MLR and mm -hmm. because of the development of, of higher level rugby in the United States and in Canada, trying to develop a, a better game from them, I could see Canada doing better this year than any previous year. Yes. Yeah, and um, you look at, inter or you read about interviews with Kingsley Jones, the head coach of Canada, and he, he, he was saying that th this squad has been slowly creeping up on USA. Because you look in the past, USA demolishes Canada, but now they're getting a lot closer. And I know, especially at the youth level, the Canadian under-20 team have been consistently beating the U.S. under-20 team yeah. um, coming up. So it'll be interesting to see, obviously, being Canadian, I really want them to do well. <laughs> uh, although I, I don't have enough faith to have them coming out of this group. I think they have an excellent chance of beating Namibia, and if they come out hard against Italy, it could come away with a result, although I think Italy with... That game has that big, oh, I don't big, know. big repercussions for Italy, I believe, because yeah. a, a huge yeah. pop population that I have spoken to and, and that I've heard things on the internet from around the world that people believe Italy does not deserve to be the sixth team in the, in the Six Nations. And, and if, if Canada comes out and, and they beat Italy, a lot of people are going to look at that as reasoning as to why Italy shouldn't be there. That's and so I think that's a lot, it's a lot of pressure on the Italian side and, and a lot of mental, yeah. mental like stress from, from their coach. Uh, Connor Oshia. Connor, Connor Oshia. So yeah. hot, hot take number four: Canada beats Italy. That's what I'm hearing, I, boys. That's not a hot take. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I believe. I don't think Canada will, but I think it's going to be a closer game than people expect. I, I, I think it'll be close. Obviously, like what you're saying, uh, Italy has to win against Canada and uh, and Namibia. It just they have to. I don't think anyone's expecting them to win against uh, New Zealand or South Africa, nope. with, especially with their track record just in the Six Nations in the past World Cup cycle. Exactly. Um, but if they want to stay, kind of, in my opinion, as a tier one nation, they, they need to win. Yeah, you have to prove that you belong in the tier one group. So, so a couple of things for Italy, a couple of facts at least. Sergio Parise, their golden boy, the uh, <laughs> captain, the leader. This is his fifth World Cup. Yeah, he's getting up there. He's, this is his fifth. He's only equaling Richie McCaw for most World Cups. Because genuinely, out of everyone on the Italian side, like, Who's as consistently good as a player on in, in relative to the other Italian players? Nobody has outlasted him with consistent stats year to year yeah. as a player. He yeah. is he is their like world class world class player. Yeah, he's a rock to them. Like yeah. they can always rely on him on the field. He doesn't he like even in games where where Italy's getting crushed, 
like Sergio just comes out and he's like still plays hard, still plays well. Like it's it's not an issue of what he's doing on the field. It's always an issue of who's around him and what they're doing. Exactly. And again, Italy only have eight players on their entire squad who have World Cup. My question with this, and I don't know, I, I know for a fact I am not researched enough in this, in, in, in this particular portion of their eight players playing in the World Cup. Is it because they're a young squad, or is it because they just, those players have fallen off from, from high-level rugby? Hmm. I, I believe they've been, uh, they've been giving younger players a chance. I know they're 10, Tommaso Allen. He's pretty young. Um, and he's really excelled in the Six Nations and throughout their game. Um, they're one of their centers, um, Campagnaro. I know he uh, he was not, or well, he obviously was old enough, but he didn't make the 2015 squad. Um, and he's been really excellent in the midfield for them. So I think they do have a lot of young players. Um, mm -hmm. And then obviously Sergio is the glue that, the experience, the guy they look up to. Um, so do you believe that this team should be looking forward to the 2023 World Cup? Uh, do you think they have enough, of, enough players of that younger group that can find their gel and build a better squad, and they're hmm. actually looking further in the future and using this as an as a experience booster? I think right now, with how they've been in the past, I don't know if next World Cup is what they should be looking for. I think it's the next Six Nations. Okay. And yeah. yeah. I, can, I can agree with that. I can understand what you are just <laughs> about. It. They are a young squad. Um, they have three players with over 100 caps. And then everyone else is sitting around the uh, sub-50. There's only one other player who has uh, 58 caps. And he's, I'm going to butcher his name, Tomasu Benavinti. He's uh, one of their centers. <laughs> I'm sorry for that pronunciation. But... Everyone else's uh, sub-50 caps with a couple of players that only have, like, one cap or even eight mm -hmm. caps, sub-10. So it's a, it's a young team, and this is going to be a great experience for them. Um, for that, And they're going to be – it's the future of Italian rugby is what we're going to see at this World Cup. Um, but I don't know if the next World Cup is what they should be, what they should be focusing on right now. I Just think it's improving their play, proving that they still deserve to be in the Six Nations, really. And then bringing it a little bit even closer, not not quite Just small increments for them. Yeah, yeah, small increments. Okay. And then. So we haven't really talked about Namibia, but there's not a lot. There's there's not much. I don't I, have they ever won a World Cup game. I don't. I can't recall it. They are believe. zero for nineteen. Okay. Yeah. So so, I don't think that's gonna change this year. And I know that sounds awful, and and it's a harsh thing to say, but, but, I mean, we discussed it. Canada, they're young group is is on a, a, a upswing for their program and they've been developing in these last four years uh like professional rugby um mlr yeah yeah in the mlr and and i i don't like, yeah if they were going to win a game i think namibia would beat canada They're, and i don't think that's gonna happen the only player i think who can give phil davis aside a actual chance is eugene yantis and listen to this he's the only person in the squad who at scrum half played against the Springboks in 2007. Again, it, so in 2007 when they played, the final score was 105 to 13. He's the 
only player in the squad to actually uh, to actually have been in there, and he's a, a good scrum half to look at, as well as Johan uh, Deisel, their uh, captain. He is the all he's the only one to score a try against the All Blacks in the 2015 World Cup. So, so, so what you're telling me is that one one of the players to watch was played in a game in his more of his prime 12 years ago. And and yeah, so that if that doesn't say a whole lot about Namibia's side. Yeah, okay. Um so so let's I think we can we can round it off on that one. Obviously none of us really have that much of a positive outlook for a few of these teams and in how they're going to come out, but yeah, I'll start it off this time. Um, my, I think it's going to be South Africa, New Zealand, and then Italy, Canada, Namibia. So for me, it's New Zealand, South Africa, Italy, Canada, Namibia. I'm the same as CJ. We have to agree with uh, CJ and three people. And also, I do want to say one thing that we haven't talked about is um, if England, if I just I don't know what I just if Ireland wins their group, they will be playing the winner of Group B. If I'm not wrong. Is that correct? If they, they win their group, they'll play the runner-up. The runner-up. So they'll be playing either Africa. New Zealand or South Africa. That is yeah. their... I know we're not going to get into yeah, the quarterfinals. Yeah, we're not going to get into the quarterfinals. I know we're not getting there, but I just want to... I want to put that Our out there. Our not making out of quarterfinals. Uh, so moving on to <laughs> Group C. Group C. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Group C, you've got England, France, Argentina, the United States of America, and Tonga. Yeah, so this, this for me would be my group of death. Um, I, I agree. Yeah. You've got three tier one nations and the United States and then Tonga. So um, <laughs> it, it's a tough group. It's a really tough group. Um, and so I'm, I'm really interested in this group. Uh, I think England would probably be my favorite uh, team to come out of this group on I top. Like to hear. Um, <laughs> but again... Um, Argentina had some strong performances in the rugby championship. I know they, they lost all the matches, but there were times when they were really fighting in those matches. They gave, um, Argent or they gave um, Australia a really tough game, um, and then, but South Africa were able to dominate them. But I think uh, they might have a good chance to, to get the number two spot. Get number two and things it's the world cup as i keep saying anything could happen but i think yeah it's so, that number two spots between france and argentina Ooh, uh, so to me argentina they play in a full 80 minute game every game they play i they they don't have the tendency to give up in yeah. the in the 60th minute and and say they've lost this game yeah. I, I every single person on, on their team and on their roster is the kind of person who says, I will play a 90-minute game of rugby yeah. in 80 minutes, and, and I, no matter what the score is or what the yeah. outcome is. And, and oh, so Tyler's, <laughs> so, Tyler's ready to say something. I was ready. But I was, uh, there's, there's a thing that I know Tyler and I have talked about previous, where their ability to beat Northern Hemisphere teams is, is almost non-existent. It's not. They, um, in the past World Cup cycle, Pretty sure we looked through all four years. Yeah, we did. They were not able to beat a Northern Hemisphere team on any of the tours. Uh, just recently, in the last year, so I think it was 2018, they played against France. Yeah. And that's when France really wasn't looking so hot, and France was still able to win against Argentina. Um, so for me, 
I have England first and then France second. I just don't think Argentina has the track record against these Northern Hemisphere teams to pull it out. I think it's going to be some good games. Like you said, Argentina is going to they're going to play their heart out for the full 80. They're going to give it all they got. And I love watching Argentina. They're fun to watch yeah. because of that. But I just don't know if they can pull it out. And I think Argentina, I, yeah, I, I'm going to have to disagree slightly. I think Argentina has an advantage because uh, it's something crazy. Like 71% of their players play together at the club level. They play for the Jaguares, the, um, super, the, super, the super rugby team. And so they have a team chemistry that a lot of other teams don't get. And, uh, I Although mean, I know they don't have the track record on tour matches, but in the, the past World Cup, they beat, they beat Ireland in the... My, my thing is with this is, is play at the professional level and play at the international level is not the same. The, this, it's, it, it's especially when you get, like... like all the teams in the Six Nations, like each, each, they play five games internationally. Then most of these teams consistently go on Southern Hemisphere tours. And, and so they, a lot of these teams, like you look at Owen Farrell, he's played with, with England for a very long time. And, and he's had a, a very similar group. Like we were talking before the podcast started with Farrell and Ford and how they would just, like, you could insert them both at 10 and you also insert, you could insert them at 12. And, and it's like that chemistry is there for a lot of these teams that they're going to face. And I, I don't see the club level chemistry being so intense that it's going to outshine the fact that international rugby is a different beast. Now I will say uh, France, as we all know, is France. That's <laughs> the French know, or the French. How, how else to put it? How enlightening. Um, they show some flashes of brilliance. They were leading on Wales, who just won the Grand Slam. Right. Yeah. At halftime. Ended up, it was, what was it? Um, I think it was 16 to no at halftime, something like that. Wales ended up coming back and beating them. And then they proceeded to get obliterated by England. It wasn't even close. Yeah. It was 40 Jewish. to 3, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like and you said, the French are French. It seems like at halftime they all just go smoke a cigarette and drink some coffee and then go home. <laughs> well, yeah, wow, yeah. that and was a, a bit insinuative. That was yeah. Well, that was a tough. And it, and it's Ooh. it's it's I, odd I, watching France because in their warm-up matches against Scotland, as we said earlier, they played the first one and they beat them thirty-two-three, absolutely dominant. Their forwards were doing all the hard work, crushing Scotland, and then their return leg. They they lose. I mean, Scotland obviously had a better game, but it's it's that change from one week you look at them and you go, wow, this team could be world beaters, and then the next week you go, well, you know, well, who are these guys in blue uniforms and where did you put the French team? Like, what what I see with France as an issue for them is I don't think they're they're starting fifteen or or up to probably seventeen players who could be their starters. I think that their level of play on those 15 to 17 players is just higher than the rest of, of, of the people on their roster. I, ge I genuinely think it's a depth issue. Because I, I, uh, I think they, play, like, they played a good game in the first half against Wales, and then when they started rolling subs in, like, that, that force and, and intensity and, and fight that they had, like, it rolled away. 
it, it, it genuinely, it, it fell off. Oh, so you, you, you don't think they have the, the depth to close out the matches that they start, that the other teams have better, better finishers and can game manage better than, right. than France can? Yeah. Uh, I, I genuinely think it's and subs. It I think was, they don't have an impact as much as these other teams do. And it was in that, in that Wales game. I, I watched that game live this year, and it, it was as if a, second, a, se a completely different side came out of the locker room. They were just clumsy, careless. They, the back three for France didn't look like they'd ever played as a back three before because the wings were always up in the line and there was just acres of space in behind them. And so right. it'll be interesting to see if they can hold it together for 70, even, I mean, hopefully the whole 80 minutes. But yeah. so What do you boys think about England? With this uh, next one, I know Ethan's well, got a lot to say about England. So I'm a I little. Just to put I'm, I'm going right to keep it kind of short. I'm a little bit biased, but I no have way. England winning out this pool. Yeah, Paul. I, I, the only game I could see them losing is to France, and at this point in time, I don't see France beating England. I think I have to agree with you with England winning out. Um, they're finally. Back in that form, that post-2015, new Eddie Jones, just absolutely. <laughs> uh, they're not at that level, obviously, of you know tying the world record for most uh, matches won in a row. Um, but they're starting. To, they're looking like that team again. Then that mid slump where they went one in five in the Six Nations. But yeah. what happened in the last World Cup to England? Exactly. Yep. Although I I think that the England side's going to use that. As, as motivation, because that was embarrassing, like genuinely embarrassing for a program that's won World Cup before, like and it was at home, and it was like and and it was in England, happened. and that like that was like taking the wound, just like pulling it open, and then just like pouring salt in, and I gen like I genuinely believe they're gonna look at that as as their drive to make sure that that never happens again. Yeah, th and I they've. Uh... They've changed up a couple of the players. They've uh, brought in some explosive backline players. Um, well, th they've had they've had a couple. Um, I know uh, Manu Tulangi is an absolute monster. Absolutely. In the, he had a in the heck midfield. of a game against, against Ireland. Ireland in that warm up He's match. Got size as well as yeah, speed. and that's what I think they've that they've started leaning towards. I know they brought in a new wing, uh, Joe Kakanasinga who is an absolute unit of a winger. I think he's something like 6'4", 250 pounds, just a monster out there. And I know against, that, against Ireland in that warm-up match, he was uh, terrorizing the Irish defensive line. I know Jacob Stockdale had an absolute nightmare of a match trying to defend him. I, so going back to Manu, I think he's the, one of the, like, the key players that will make England a fantastic side. <coughs> if he is well-behaved, and if he stays healthy. Because he's, he's had issues with both in the past. But like we said, he's a monster of a player. And then on top of that, Eddie Jones has the, the experience to win. So, like, again, he coached the Japan side, uh, you know, last World Cup to, uh, to a win against South Africa. He was even on, he was a technical assistant or a technical advisor for the Springboks in, 20, uh, or in 2007. Uh, when they won the World Cup, and then on top of that, he even uh, he even coached or he was the head coach of the Wallabies in 2001, when they beat New Zealand in the semifinal 
and then went on to go play England in the final of the World Cup, obviously losing to England. But I think he's got the coaching mentality and the right out of like organization, I guess, to and the right mindset to have his players win. So that's true. They, he has the pedigree. Um, he's experienced when it comes to the World Cup. So I think they're gonna look, they're gonna look good, and I think they're gonna win out. Yeah, Let's, I, um, I see. For me, um, my key players uh, come from Billy Vinopola and uh, Sam Underhill in the forwards. Oh, Sam Underhill. Oh. By the way, what's up with <laughs> love him? I, I love Sam Underhill, but I am also, not only am I rooting for England, but I am also at heart a Bath fan, so there's a lot of, lot of bias towards that decision. So what's up with England having, how many, like two tight head props in this squad? Is it only two of them? That they have uh, Vunipola and... Uh, Marco, Marco Vunipola. Yeah, Marco, Marco not, Vunipola. Not Billy Vunipola. Yeah, not yeah. Billy, obviously, but it's uh, him and who else at Tighthead? Because they... Is Dan Cole? Or is yeah, he, yes. No, it's Dan, so they only have Dan Cole and Marco Vunipola, and, which is kind of surprising. I think, it's, it's, I think it's hedging the bets. I just, like, they're, they're strong. They're healthy, they're sturdy, and, and they're relatively experienced in, in their abilities at this level of play. And I, I, I think it's genuinely hedging his bets on, on them lasting in the tournament. And then another thing is two scrum halves. Only two. Only yeah. two. Ben Youngs and uh, Willie Hines, mm -hmm. which, you know, Willie Hines, his first cap was only a couple weeks ago. He only yeah, has four caps. That's, yeah, exactly. Uh, so... Interesting, interesting moves by Eddie Jones. So, we are an American podcast, American rugby podcast. We have to talk about America. So, what do we have to say? What do you boys have to say? Well, I think this USA team is looking a lot better than they have in the past. Uh, we have MLR now. It's just got done, or but two years in now. Looking solid. Gotta love it. They're looking a lot better than they did uh, going into the last World Cup, in my opinion. So I don't think that they're going to really upset anybody. But I think they're going to, I think they'll win over Tonga. That's, and I think that'll be good to see. So I'm excited to, I think they'll play well against uh, the other teams in their pool. So I'm just, I'm excited to see them, but I don't expect huge things. That's going off of nothing but faith. <laughs> I have no statistics oh boy. to back this no up. No facts. I want the U.S., and I think they will beat France or Argentina. That is nothing nothing but faith. Oh, boy. It's a bold is, claim. It is the boldest claim that I have for this World Cup, and that's just because, personally, I want to see the U.S. do well. I've seen the development in professional level with the MLR. I've seen uh, like the bringing over of, of some, some sevens crossovers in, in just like like positivity with the program. And, and I just like, I want to see that development just go further with further it. With it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I want to see want to see them beat Argentina. I want to see them beat France. And, and although, like, you're shaking your head with immense frustration say, at I me, want... that is my hot take faith off of nothing but 
but faith. There is, there is no I stats to prove that it. other than Argentina hasn't beat a Northern Hemisphere team, and we are technically Northern Hemisphere. I want to say this. I want to see the USA win. That's something I think we all want. We're all Americans here. It's well, American for Tom. That's <laughs> all right. No, no, I'd like to see the U.S. do well as well. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to see them do it. I just don't think they will. That's, yeah, it I would be a very pleasant surprise for me, and I would be very ecstatic if they proved me wrong, but I just don't think that they will. That's, yeah. I think that depending on who plays, it is a very big factor. Because I know Sean Davies, we've been talking. Tyler and I have very strong opinions about Sean Davies. He's kind of the face of USA Rugby, and I think that's why he's the starting nine. He, but he's very slow. He's been very slow when it comes to getting that ball out from Rucks, and I'm kind of disappointed. So when we played uh, Canada last weekend, and our 20 to 15 win, Nate Augsburger was our uh, was our nine, and he was pretty fast at getting that ball out. Might not be as good when it comes to kicking, but he's pretty good. And then on top of that, Joe Talafete. Yeah, they've got some stars lined up. Uh, as you said, Joe, he's, he's the hooker, I believe. Um, yes. Uh, highest he, scoring hooker. Yeah, highest scoring hooker. I think ever, is it? Or he has yeah, some, some ridiculous statistics. Rugby. He's 23 caps, something like 20 or 22 tries. He is an absolute monster, monster of a hooker. And... Uh, now that he runs just the hardest of hard lines, yeah. you know, straight through people. He's a bull. He runs angry. Oh, what that I'm man looking runs for, furious. What I'm looking for out of the, the United States side is, is those experienced players to have good, strong consistency, and I want them to just be able to, like, if, if things aren't going well, reinvigorate those younger guys, those less capped players. So, like, I want to see guys like Eric Fry, who's – Who's up in up in the 40s with his caps, or 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 even uh, because Sean Davies has like the age, even though his caps are not near as high as Eric Fry's, but like his just consistency, his face, his his sturdiness in the mm -hmm. sport. I want that to be something that everybody else will learn from on the field, and I think that's what'll help give the drive. And another name like Cam Dolan, like yeah, I mean he's he's up there. He's got the experience at an international level, so. Why not let these guys just like provide comfort and responsibility and, and um, an attitude coming in? And, and I think that's why like U.S. could end up is in, in a better position than people think they're coming in. in. Um, so yeah, Tyler's over there shaking his head. But. I mean, like you say, like those experienced players, like Blaine Scully's, the Cam Dolans, Ben Landry's. They definitely have a, uh, like a, a boost to the team. But I think the biggest boost is that MLR, like the MLR experience. And that development with pro guys is definitely uh, a helpful part. And then AJ McGinty, player mm -hmm. to watch. Plays for sales, uh, sales Sharks, great player, a great ball distributor. Yeah, US, US fly half feet. He looked. Looks good to manage the game for them in the back backfield. He, he was a real key player when the United States beat Scotland in Houston mm -hmm. earlier this year. So, I think one thing that we still haven't mentioned yet is a uh, crossover from seven. So we have Ben Tinkleman and Martin Yusefo. Yusefo. So obviously those two uh, right now it's showing they only have one cap. 
because this is 15s, this is not 7s. But they are from, I mean, they have the experience. They've been playing in the 7s national team. They've played internationally. They're on, you know, the series. They've played in the 7s World Cup. They have, they've been in the limelight, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's going to be huge for the USA team and the younger players that are coming in is yeah. to have that backing and they kind of know what it's like to be in a pressure situation like this. While they may not have the same amount of 15s experience, I think it's still going to carry over well with that experience and just kind of help bring this USA squad uh, a little closer together and yeah. boost it up. Um, but between having some of those sevens guys who understand success in the rugby world, who understand uh, how, like, really how to look for space and, and build, like, a, a heavy, strong attack towards space um, is important. And then, and then with MLR, like across U.S. and Canada, it's it's in the twenties of, of players that have, are in the MLR. So that just like by definition shows like that rugby in North America has a stronger foundation foundation coming into this World Cup since they're pulling guys who are now getting the opportunity to play at a professional level with, with guys coming, filling spots from international countries to help lift up the local play even more. Mm -hmm. So um, those, those two things are, are key for the United States. Um, um, I think that's pretty much everything for the US. We covered a lot, so I think. Well, um, last but not least, we haven't talked Tonga. Yeah, so Tonga, um, they're, they're obviously another one of the Pacific Nations uh, sides, but uh, they um, they had their last warm-up match was against New Zealand, and that was just carnage. Uh, New Zealand were just too fast, too physical, and Tonga made far too many mistakes for me. Um, I believe that the U.S. has an excellent chance to beat Tonga, and I don't see them getting any results of, from any of the teams in this group. Um, they just, they were exploited in that uh, New Zealand game. I think the final score was something like 88 or 92 to nothing. They had no points, no penalties. So I'm not saying that'll happen in the World Cup, um, but I don't see them taking many results many points. Yeah. I'd have to agree with you. Um, I think Tonga versus USA is, for those two teams, that's going to be the closest match. I know Ethan thinks USA could beat Argentina. Our hot take for Hot him. take, faith. It's all in faith. I don't see it. It's, I think USA versus Tonga is going to be the closest match for those two teams, and I'll be excited for that match. That's a, that'll be a fun one to look forward to. Now, two players, I will say, for Tonga that are good to look, at, or look out for is Sona, I, again, I'm going to butcher this, Sonatane uh, Takula, he's their number nine and their goal kicker. He had, he's a very good player in giving them like a little bit more fire and zip into everything, as well as Talusa Vinayau, uh, Vienu, I guess. He has an incredible step to die for, and I think between those two players in the back line, he'll be very, uh, he'll be, they'll be very, like, What's the word? Dynamic. Yeah, dynamic. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, Tom, you started off this time. So what is your what is your order? So I I agree, England, T 
top of this group. And uh, I'm going to have Argentina finish above France. I think England and Argentina are going to make it out. Um, <laughs> so, and then to follow up, I think it'll probably end up France, USA, and Tonga finishing bottom. Um, yeah. Too little. I think it will be England and then France. I just don't see Argentina doesn't have a track record, and I think France can pull it out. And so after that, I have <coughs> Argentina, USA, Tonga. So I'm a big fan of Argentina. Big fan. Big fan. I, I'm a, I love the Jaguares, and again, like 71% are from the Jaguares. I'm a big fan of them. Uh, they have great, they, some of my favorite players play for that, like Augustin Creve, uh, Bautista Delgui. He's, the, both of those players are really good. Lavanini, all those players. Matera is my Matera, favorite. Matera, yeah, Pablo He's, Matera is really he, good. I think he plays seven for them, captained them in their last warm up match. He's an absolute. Unit of a guy gets in a massive so, amount so of that's details. Why, so that's why I'm saying England number one, Argentina number two. Excellent. Okay. Then France, USA, Tonga. Good choice. Excellent choice. So I'm going to say England number one, France number two, uh, because I, I just I have to sit with Tyler on that one. I don't, I don't see the track record. I don't see the, the evidence in, in their success against Northern Hemisphere teams. And then Argentina, United States, Tonga. Mm-hmm. Even choice. though I, I have faith, I'm not going to make that as a prediction that the United States will be over uh, Argentina. Okay, so on to Group D? Yeah. yeah. Group D. So teams are Australia, Wales, Georgia, Fiji, and Uruguay. So I think it's safe to say in this group, Wales and Australia are going to be the one and two. The only thing is which one's gonna be one and which one's gonna be two. Yeah. Yeah. I would I mean I'm this in the same boat. Uh, although to me, I, I as much as it, it pains me since I'm rooting for England to say this, I genuinely think Wales is is, is a more definite thought to be one than Australia. I mean, they they've shown out. They grand they had the grand slam earlier this year. Their, their test matches, for the most part, went in their favor, other than their one loss to England. Um, and, and that was in England. But as soon as that, that went back into uh, Wales for their home match, they, that's when they won it. So, so now it's going to be a neutral ground against all the teams they play in their pool. And I, I just don't, I don't really see Australia beating Wales in its current state. I have to agree with that. Um, I have it written down. Wales is my expected winner of this group. They had incredible Six Nations, obviously. They have probably the best defense in the world. Yeah. I yeah, think it's I would agree with that. to say that. Yeah. Statistically, yeah. They, Statistically, they have the best. That's, and Australia just, they haven't looked like the team they used to be uh, over the course of this World Cup cycle. I just, they yeah. beat, they were able to beat New Zealand. Um, they did that before the 2015. World Cup and ended up losing to New Zealand in the World Cup final. So I don't know how much that really means. Uh, we talked about that when we talked about New Zealand. Do, so you, I have, do yeah. you think Australia is going to be missing uh, missing Izzy Falau? Oh, definitely. I don't. I like not only do I think that's a, like hindrance to their their quality of play, 
in terms of skill on the field, but also like as a program, as Australia rugby, like having the whole Israel Falau situation so heavily on the front end of rugby news for the last however long now, like it has to be draining to the program, to the, the coaches, to, to the management. Like it's gotta be stressful for everybody a part of that program just to be worried and dealing with that situation. And I don't wanna get into the, the po politics behind that. I just wanna say that like, like having something that's so big name news in, in the rugby world has gotta be draining on everybody a part of the program. Yeah, um, definitely. You don't, it's a side distraction for the guys who are in the squad right now and you don't wanna be focusing on that when you've got a World Cup to prepare for. But despite that, I'm gonna have to disagree with Wales winning this group. Really? Um, I, I think Australia top the group, and I think Wales are the favorites for second, but I would currently take Australia over Wales. I think, yes, Wales, statistically, they are the best defensive team, and it is really hard to break them down. But I think they're, they're having trouble finding backline players to score them points. Um, I think the Australian defense is good enough to stop the, Wel or to stop the Welsh pack, but... Currently, they don't have a 10. The player they had been playing for a while, Gareth Anson, just got hurt. And so I don't think he's going to be back in time. They have Dan Bigger, who is very experienced for them. Um, but he has been trading time with Reese Patchell. And so I just don't think they quite have that consistency in the backfield to get it out to their, uh, to their wingers, who are explosive. Those guys are world-class finishers. Uh, Liam Williams, I know, is in there. And Halfpenny's at 15, and um, George, North, yeah. George North is on there. But I think they got they were exposed a little bit by England in that warm-up match, and then they lost twice in a row in our once in Wales, once in Ireland in the warm-up yeah. matches. Um, so I know they weren't fielding quite their full side for both of those matches, but it was pretty close to full. And so I think Australia who, yes, they have had, they had that big loss to New Zealand, but they also had that big win, the, world, the largest margin of victory win over New Zealand. So I think Australia might have an edge over Wales in this one, but I would not be surprised if it went the other way. So my question for you, because I'm actually like interested in, in some of the, the semantics of, <laughs> of where, where you see this game between those two teams playing out. Do you think it'll be low scoring because you believe that Wales doesn't have the attacking intensity to beat a, a lower quality defensive side from Australia? And, and, do you, and then Australia just will have the higher attacking structure to where like, but the defensive structure from Wales is strong enough to hold them off? Yeah, I think this game could come down to points, goal kicking. I think I don't think you're going to see one side score a massive number of tries over the other one. I think it could end up being about 25-20 to Australia. So it'll probably be average scoring. I think you might see a try here or there off broken play. But I think if both of these sides set up their defense, it's going to be hard for either one to break the other one down. I think the Welsh defense is too good for the Australian attack, but I think the Australians, just from 
the week in, week out, having to play New Zealand, they know how to stop skillful backline play. And so it'll, it'll be interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if Wales win, but I have Australia over them. And, like, Australia also have, like, a star-studded squad. Michael Hooper, David Pocock, Barney Foley, you know, yeah. uh, Reese Hodge. All these players, you know, you've heard in and out, like, all the time. Kurtley Beal is another great player. And I like one of their new centers, James O'Connor. He played one match for them in 2016, and they brought him back into the squad in the New Zealand tests, and he, he was exceptional for them. So I think he's one to watch. Um, but, yeah, they've, they've got some star-studded talent. Curly Beal obviously has been a rock the back for them. So, uh, Do we have really – we have – so there's Georgia, Fiji, and Uruguay are uh, kind of left over. So, uh, Not much could be said about all three of these teams. Georgia, insane forwards. They all play as if they're all rhinos, just and they, strong. They're strong or headstrong. They're very tough play. It's almost like they're out to like murder somebody out there. It seems. So for me, Georgia, like Georgia, is the team that people believe should replace Italy in the Six Nations. So I I see Georgia in that state where it's like. They're going to be good competition for Australia and Wales, but it's going to be one of those situations where I don't think they're going to win. So I, I, to me, they're, they're the third-place team in this pool. So, and then Fiji, I, I think that's true. They could be the, the third place, but fourth place between Uruguay and Fiji, I, I'm going to put Fiji just because of the athleticism. They're big players. They're big and they, like, you look at this, it's similar to their seven side. Their seven side are huge players, very athletic. They like to, you know, they love, like, these crazy offloads. And they very, they, they translate over that to 15th. Is that a good thing? I don't know. Because, again, it's a two different type, or two different games. But they are probably the most, like, in, term, or in terms of size, athletic ability maybe, and physicality, I think they're one of the best sides. But apart from that, yeah. they, they have a lot of... I think they struggle structurally. I think they've got a lot of guys who can ball handle very well, but as a unit and as a whole team, I think they, they show some, some gaps structurally. So Agreed. And Uruguay, is there... Love? Yeah, they, they perform pretty well in the America's Cups most, most of the time. Um, uh, I think they're one of the better South American teams. Um, but, yeah, I think Georgia will probably get the win. It'll be close between Uruguay and Fiji. Um, it'll be whether the Fijians can last the whole match. If they can, I think they'd win. But I think Uruguay might. might they they sit at the bottom them. of the pack in this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I would say, to me, they sit in the bottom of the pack for the whole World Cup. So, but for arguably, I, I would say Fiji, Uruguay. I would say Uruguay, Tonga. I probably have Tonga slightly below them. But. My thing with Uruguay is a lot of them come from MLR side. So a lot of them come from the MLR sides, and they have that experience. And what happened with the Uruguayan uh, Air Force flight 
when it crashed uh, back in like 1972. Like that kind of history, I really would love it if Uruguay could pull something out. But unfortunately, they're not the, the side that we all want or, or that they need to be. So, okay. All right, let's wrap. So, so, Group D, what are we all saying, Ethan? Uh, group D, I have Wales, Australia, Georgia, Fiji, Uruguay. Tyler? I have Wales, Australia, we say Georgia, Fiji, and Uruguay. And Tom? Uh, I'm going to have to say it's Australia, Wales, Very and then I go Georgia, Georgia third, and. <laughs> Uh, Fiji, Uruguay. I think that's a fair. That's fair. So, are gonna, we're going to go into our last portion. You, you oh, yeah, mine. Yeah, you got to All right, well, fine. I'll, well. I'm going to go with... I would agree with Tom. Australia over Wales. Australia, Wales, Georgia, Fiji, Uruguay. Yeah. That's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a safe bet. Well, uh, we'll find out in a couple weeks. Yeah. yeah. So, we're going to do our final segment. We're going to do a little bit of other predictions. So we're going to go down the table. Give me who do you think is going to be the best in pool, uh, in pool phase? Who do you think is going to be the best team and player? And then who do you think is going to be the most disappointing team? And then who do you so, think it could be potential like blowout scorer? So let's uh, start, start with um, like best player. So... I want it. it since Nani Lamape is not in the squad, I put him down as probably going to be the best player in the tournament. And now he's not in there. I'm very, very mad. So if that's the case, I'm going to go with maybe Johnny Sexton. Johnny Sexton, I think, could be the best player in the pool phase, depending on how Ireland is, yeah. plays. Plus, I think their group is not as hard as some of the other ones. Mm -hmm. So Johnny Sexton could potentially go off. Yeah, he could exploit exploit that, yeah. No, I, I, that's that's a good that's a good prediction. Tyler? I'm gonna have to go with I think I love Ben Smith. He's <laughs> if we're talking best fullbacks in the world, I think for me it's between Stuart Hogg and Ben Smith. That's that's where I usually go to and I think Ben Smith is just one of the most consistent players you'll find and I'm going to have to go with Ben Smith. I think he's going to show up, and he's just going to do well, and he's going to do what he does. Um, so I'm going to have to lean uh, Rico Ioani. Huh. He's the, one of the best wings in the world right now, um, and he knows how to score tries. New Zealand knows how to score tries. Uh, I know he exploded onto the stage in the last Lions tour. And he's been a consistent wing for them. So he's going to be my, he's going to have a handful of tries, I'm sure. So. so I guess I'm last. I've been struggling with this question so heavily. Um, and my bias has leaned me towards, towards England. an England player, mm -hmm. of course. Um, and I think Elliot Daly. Is, is Elliot Daly, that oh, came he, out of nowhere. Gonna, no, yeah, no, 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 no. We no. didn't talk about him earlier. Um, he but is. I, he's, I think he makes one of the biggest impacts in every game. He, England he's one of the fastest guys at this World, at this World Cup. For he, sure. And, and I, think, uh, I think England's going to benefit from 
broken play that I think will happen yeah. a lot during exactly. a team like France or a lot from a team like Argentina. And, and he's just going to be able to swoop in and, and present yeah. his abilities mm. in, in the pools. Well, if we're going biased opinions, Jacob Stockdale is definitely about to, is definitely about to sweep up. No, no, no. I mean, but he he is one of the he's an he's another great wing, and he he had two against Wales. But but no, I'll, I'll stick with Ioane. I think he's gonna do it. So then, who do you guys think is gonna be the best in the pool phase? Best team. Best team. Best team, best team overall. So just during the pool phase, right? Yeah. I'll so go first. Yeah, you want to go, go first? first? I'll go first. Don't worry, CJ. I got this one. <laughs> right, I think uh, England's going to do the best. I think, I mean, they're probably, out of all the groups, I think there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to win their pool. That's, for me, what I see. Yeah. Hopefully, they don't prove me wrong. I want to see them do well. So, for me, it's going to be England. I know France could give them some trouble. But I know they've handled Argentina well in the past, and USA and Tonga really aren't going to give them any trouble, and they shouldn't. So I'm going to have to say England. Ethan, what about you? I'm, uh, you know, shockingly enough, I'm not picking England. Oh, Ooh. Wow. I, my eye is on South Africa. Ah. Uh, I think as a unit, uh, they've they've gelled well during the warm-ups. And, and I think that they're going to come out, and as a team, uh, they're going to perform at the highest play that they can possibly at this point. And that's why, like, I, we're not really getting into it, but personally, I see South Africa being able to go all the way from what I've seen in the last few months. Mm, interesting. So, so as Ethan didn't take the opportunity, I am. I think Ireland <laughs> are, uh, no, I'm, no, 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 but I, I do think... I don't think they're going to do anything too flashy. I don't think they're going to run away with any of their games, but I think they're just going to be solid, consistent, get the points they need, move on. So they're, they're my best team in the group play. My best team in the group play will you steal everybody's hearts. No, no, no. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. They might not win their group, but they will steal your heart. Japan will be yep. the best in the pool phases. <laughs> they will bring, they will bring everybody to their TVs to watch, just because Japan but, will be the heart stealer for everybody. They'll become your favorite team by the end so of the pool phase. So do you think, relative to where we think they are, they'll do the best, or do you think just overall? I think because my my attitude is overall best team. Throughout the pool phase, that's my prediction. Overall, are you saying the best team according to the expectations set for them? Yes, I think that that'll pro according to their like the expectations given them. Everybody's expecting, you know, maybe third in their group, but I think quarterfinals they will steal your hearts. They will play some fantastic rugby. They might not be the top of their group, but. I think they'll steal hearts to be a, it's gonna, a good team. It's going to be very unfortunate on Friday when they lose to Russia. So. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah, then my entire takes. Yeah, I'll be watching gone. that on the bus to class. <laughs> so what about miss, most disappointing team? So for me, it's really sad to say it. Um, I think it's going to be, if it's going to be anyone, I think it'll be Scotland. That's... Wow. That's a okay. tough one for me. Are you saying that Japan could potentially beat them and go, go over them? <laughs> <laughs> All right, CJ. All right. I'm just saying to where 
I think I think they'll be able to beat Japan. I think it's going to be a closer match than what I think it will be. So that's the only team I'm really worried about for the T1. I think that where they're at right now, that they should be able to perform at a level higher than Japan. But I think Japan's really going to give them some problems. I think they'll come out on top, but I think it'll just be a little bit disappointing to see. And so that's who I have. My most disappointing team. Even though I did say Johnny Sexton could be the player or the player of the pool phase, I think Ireland could be the most disappointing. Ouch. They Oof. again. Oof. They in the past they've shown some greatness, but it could potentially happen that they could be disappointing. You know. So. The quarterfinal exit, is that what you're predicting? Oh, CJ? I mean, the, the quarterfinal well, exit's almost inevitable. Well, right now we're saying, <laughs> right now saying it's just pools. It's just pools, pools but yeah. I still think they're going to be disappointing because their, their games are going to be a lot closer than what people want. So do you okay. believe that they won't get all of the extra points that they need and all that in, in the pool phase? Do you think that they, like, they could, like, even if they do win it out, it won't be as beautiful or as right. crisp if, as what it could be? Yeah, so I think that they probably will have a lot of nail biters. So they'll have a lot of, I think okay. they'll be a lot closer than people think. And maybe, maybe, you, you never know, Japan or <laughs> one of the other teams could potentially run up a little bit of score on them. So for me, it's a coin toss between France and Wales, my disappointing teams. But I think Wales could have the most to disappoint me with, being uh-huh. grand, being Grand Slam champions, and then uh, if, world number one at some point. Yeah, mm-hmm. world number one not two weeks ago. And now they're fourth. Yeah, now they're fourth. I think they've got a lot of hype build around them, um, so that they they're for me the team that could disappoint me the most. Okay, interesting. I I, I see where you're coming from because I see they do as a team have the farthest to fall with what's been built up around them recently. Um, but to me, I think that my, my team that I expect to be the most disappointing in their performance is, is France. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think France is going to be as shoddy in their performance during the World Cup as they were in their warm-ups. Yeah. And, and I think that as I was my argument was earlier, I don't think they have the depth that yeah. a lot of these other rosters do uh, in their 31. And so the, their ability to last the whole tournament, just I don't, I don't see them yeah. getting to their fourth game in pool phase and performing just like they did in game one. Yeah, very hot and cold, Yeah, CJ said. So, yeah. Uh, on that note, we are finished with our pool predictions mm-hmm. so uh thank you for listening through and, and we want to hear everything that you have to say about your pool predictions so please leave them in the comments and and let us know who you have have winning each pool and who your biggest uh expectations are for and who you expect to not perform and as always we'd like to say thanks to tiger vision for giving us the facilities, the time, everything that they do for us and helping us out. And again, we couldn't do it without them. We really appreciate them. And like we said on that note, tune in next week. Yeah, this is Tiger's Talk Rugby. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.
All right, and then we'll just cut from this point. Yeah. Um, well, we have to, <laughs> we need to re-report the unit. Yeah. So do the, <laughs> yeah. Somebody. I'm, yeah, well, I'm sorry. You got carried away with a lot of names that weren't on there, and I was just trusting you, and yeah, they did not exist. Well, I thought, I, I looked over on Instagram, and I thought I saw all those names, but then looking at that one, Yeah, so. Yeah, I was, I was trying to find some of those names, and I was like, well, 